Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. My name is Mark Spellman. I'm your host today, and I'm so glad you're joining the conversation. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you've tuned in. And I would invite you to please share this podcast with your friends, your your guy friends, and not only your Christian guy friends. I mean, share this with, with folks who might be out there just with a curious heart about what walking with Christ is all about, what being a Christian is all about, what having faith in Christ means, and uh, just share it with them. I believe the conversation today will be equally as edifying and and helpful and life-giving to someone whose faith is maybe just at a curious place. They're not ready to fully commit to Christ, but they just want to find out what is what is this Christianity all about? I believe Today's conversation, like all of them, could be something that would sow the seed of of truth and life and love into their hearts. And if that's you and you are listening to today's program, then welcome. I want to welcome you to the conversation. Glad you're listening. Glad you're tuned in. Because this is what Christianity is all about. Christ likeness. It's pressing in to be like Christ. And that is possible only because... Christ pursued us with an everlasting love and poured out his spirit in our heart by the Holy Ghost. He poured out his spirit and we were born again through faith in Jesus Christ. And now we have a new nature. We have a divine nature. It's been put in us like a seed and that seed can grow. And that means we can grow in more Christ likeness as we continue to walk with Christ and do life with a community of believers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But particularly we're, we're focusing here on marksmen, a community of men, men who've been marked by Christ, men who want to aim their life at Christ likeness, who accept the fact that the bullseye is Christ likeness. And in fact, there's a scripture that says we've all been predestined. You can read about in Romans 8 around verse 29. We've all been predestined. That means the destination is prepared for us. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so it's not something that I'm throwing out there from my own imagination to have as a goal or have as a a bullseye. It's what the Bible says is the mark. And Philippians chapter 3, of course, is a foundational text for marksmen. Paul says these words, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is the mark. Jesus is the example. His life shows what mankind can be and what mankind fell from and what mankind was redeemed back to. So we're glad you're part of the conversation. We've been on a series here in Marksman out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Some have actually called Hebrews 11 the Hall of Fame of God, of faith. And you can see that because if you just read Hebrews chapter 11, in its entirety, there's just different people that God highlights and he recognizes their faith and he holds them up as an example. And as we go through Hebrews 11 here on Marksman, we're particularly focusing 
on the men in this chapter. Mostly men are mentioned, but there's a few women as well mentioned in Hebrews 11. But we're particularly focusing on the men. And we started, if you missed any of the programs, you can go back to the Family Mission podcast group and you can find the different marksmen labeled. We talked about Abel out of Hebrews 11.4. We talked about Enoch out of Hebrews 11.5. And then, of course, Verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's what we're doing together in this conversation on this podcast is we're seeking him. We're seeking Christ. We're seeking God. We're seeking him. And he said If you seek him, you must believe, number one, that he is, or you wouldn't be seeking him. But number two, you have to believe he's going to reward you for seeking him. He's not just going to um, keep running and, and not let you ever catch him. No, things in Scripture are hidden. I will admit that. Some things are hidden. Some things are cloaked. But they're not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. And so let's just believe in this conversation, the time we share today, that our hearts will discover some things, that discover some things about God, discover some things about our relationship with him, discover some things about ourselves. And so he goes on then in verse seven, we talked also previously here on Marksman about Noah and how Noah and his family walked with God. If you want to go back and find that program, I had both of my sons, Samuel and Daniel, together with me on that podcast. So you not only got my perspective as a man, as a father, but you kind of got the son's perspective, two of my sons, what it would be like to be undertaking a family venture like building an ark to save the human family. <laughs> so anyway, it was a great conversation. If you if you missed it, check it out. And then we recently did part one of Abraham, because it says in verse eight, Hebrews eleven eight, by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was when he was called to go out to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, but by faith dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac. That's his firstborn. Jacob, that's the next child, his grandson and Also with him, they were heirs of promise, the same promise God gave him. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So what we want to do is just kind of, let's just go back and begin to unpack this a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about Abraham. I want to begin first in Genesis 18. If you have a Bible, I'd really encourage you to get it. Just kind of follow along. Take some notes here today. If you're driving, working out, whatever you're doing, listening to this podcast, just uh, just soak it in and maybe go back later when you can take some notes. But Genesis chapter 18, one time I asked the Lord, um, why did he choose Abraham? I mean, he could have picked any man. I mean, we have Abraham, of course. We know in hindsight it was the one he chose. But I just asked the question one time in my heart, why why Abraham? And I didn't get an answer right away. It wasn't like, you know, 
immediately got an answer, even the same day. In fact, it was it was a few weeks later. I was just going through my daily Bible reading, and I came across Genesis 18 and verse 19, and Holy Spirit reminded me of my question, and he said, here's your answer. So this is why God chose Abraham. Um, verse, we'll pick it up in verse 17, get a run at it. Genesis 18, 17, 18, 19. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord, that they do justice and judgment so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now, what's happening in Genesis 18, um, we're not going to take time and unpack that right now. But what's happening is God's getting ready to bring judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. But before he does, because Abram at that time is dwelling in the region, he says, shall I do what I'm about to do and not talk with Abraham? And that's what we just read, verse 17, 18. Why? Because I'm going to make of him a great nation, and in him all the nations of the world will be blessed. In other words, I need to have a conversation with him. Because he said, verse 19, for I have known him because he is going to command. That, that's a word we could say he's going to lead. He's going to lead by example. He's going to take responsibility for his household and for his children after him that they keep the way of the Lord. So notice when God was going to pick a man to use to get into covenant with, because that's the whole reason he's having this conversation with Abraham is because Abraham's in covenant with him. And so if God's going to do something in the earth, he's got to talk to his covenant friend, Abraham. How many of you ever heard that phrase, friend of God? Well, that's where it comes from. Abraham was called the friend of God. A couple different references in Scripture give us that example. But that's what's happening here. And so when we think of the term friend, we can't just dumb that down to just, well, we're buddies. We're just, we're just hanging out together. We're, we're friends. We're buddies. No, this term friend, biblically defined, is a covenant partner. And, and covenant, again, even that word doesn't carry the weight that it needs to carry for the full meaning to be embraced, because in our culture today, you know, even the most intimate of covenants, the marriage covenant, can come and go. I mean, people can enter into covenant and then just break the covenant and and find a new spouse, you know, and, and there's a lot of things. I'm not getting into all that right now, but I'm just saying because covenant is something that can be broken in man's eyes, God does not think that way. God did not give up on his family just because his family went off the rails, just because of the relationship and we were unfaithful to our end of the covenant. No, God says, I'm in covenant with my man and I'm going to find a covenant friend. And he found Abraham and we found out why he chose Abraham was because he was going to be a man who led in his faith 
in his home. He was going to lead in his faith in his marriage. He was going to lead in his faith in the children God blessed him with. Now, just for um, just another witness to this truth of how important this is, go to Joshua. Joshua, the very last chapter of Joshua, Joshua 24. And of course, now years have come and gone and the the children of Israel have multiplied. They've truly become a nation. They're the nation now of Israel. Israel was Abraham's grandson. Remembers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob became Israel. Israel now is the nation that God has brought out of Egypt, and they did not enter into the, the promised land he had for them the first time. And so they wandered in the wilderness. You probably know the story. They wandered for 40 years, and then eventually uh, that generation that doubted God did not you know, make it out of the wilderness. They're their carcasses died there because they kept saying, you just brought us out in the wilderness to kill us. You just brought us out in the wilderness to starve to death. You just brought us out in the wilderness to die. And they, you know, they just would not trust God's love for them. And so because of that, he said, just like you said it, you're going to have exactly what you said and your bones will be buried here in this wilderness. That's what happened. So then the next generation led by Joshua went in to the promised land. But notice, notice the man Joshua that God chose, Genesis 24, verse 15. Genesis 24, 15. Again, why would God then choose a man like Joshua? You say, well, because he had faith. Him and Caleb had faith. True. But we can't separate faith from our homes. I'll say that again. We can't separate faith from our homes, from our life at home, our everyday life, life with our spouse, life with our children. And yes, he chose Caleb and Joshua because of their faith. But notice something specific about their faith. Joshua twenty four fifteen. if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord. And some people even talk that way. Well, if I want to serve God and become a Christian, I have to quit doing this. I have to quit doing that. I can't do, can't do this anymore. Can't go. In other words, they feel like it's just like punishment to become a Christian. It's, a, it's like punishment to be a follower of Christ. And that is a lie. That is an absolute lie, and it violates Hebrews eleven six. We talked about earlier. If you're going to come to God, you got to believe He's a rewarder. You got to believe your life's going to be better for following Christ. You got to believe that your life's going to increase because you are a follower of Christ. Not like it says here in Joshua twenty four fifteen that it's going to be evil. That's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to end up with less. No, you're going to enter into the full blessing. Of God Almighty. So here's what Joshua was saying. He said, You're going to have to choose, guys. If it seems evil to you this day to serve the Lord, then choose this, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, that's back in Egypt, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Those were the ungodly people they were living in the midst of now. But as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. 
Do you hear what Joshua said? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Sounds like Abraham, a man who is going to lead in his house, a man who is going to take leadership and responsibility for the faith that was in his home and the worship that happened in his home and the obedience to Christ and to um, to being a follower of Christ. He was going to own that. Now, of course, he was not following Jesus like we are. I'm I'm interpreting these men into our walk today because they were following the Lord God, Jehovah. We are following the Lord God, Jehovah, through Jesus Christ, his son, our king. So let's go back to the book of Genesis and kind of where it all begins here and see how God deals with Abraham. And, of course, when it all begins He's not Abraham. He's Abram. He's Abram. Genesis chapter 12. And we'll see in a little bit when his name changes. Genesis chapter 12 says, verse 1, And the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of your country, out of your kindred, and from your father's house go to a land that I will show you. Now that was what Hebrews 11 was referring to earlier when we read Hebrews 11:8 by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not even knowing where he was going. So God called him back here in Genesis 12 verse 1, come out of your kindred from your family, your natural family, which of course his father, if you study history, his father was a worshiper of the moon. And so God was saying, hey, I need you to get out of your family right now. I need you to actually get out of your father's house because they don't know me. And I'm going to call you out of that house and I'm going to make you a great nation. And I'm going to get to know you and you're going to get to know me. And he says in verse two, here's the promise. And I will make out of you a great nation. Genesis 12, two, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now, let's talk about that blessing. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to make you a blessing. This was the blessing that when you get on down into the generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you find Jacob, his grandson, actually conspires with his mama to, quote, steal the blessing from his father, Isaac. Um, You know, Jacob and Esau were the two sons, and Esau was the oldest. He should have got the firstborn blessing. But Jacob, um, him and his mama (laughs) conspired together to trick their dad when he was up in age. He was uh, dimmed in his sight. He couldn't see well. And so they actually conspired to, quote, steal the blessing. Now, what was the blessing? The blessing was going to be words, words that Isaac would speak over Esau, the firstborn. And Jacob and, and his mama conspired while Esau was out hunting, and they brought to their uh, 
he brought to his dad Isaac a, a pot of beans, a pot of uh, well, I shouldn't say beans, but a pot of uh, a stew, and uh, he actually dressed up and put fur on him because I guess his brother Esau was really a, a hairy man, and so and and Jacob was not, so he actually put fur like a. Uh, animal fur on him so that he felt hairy and uh, <laughs> just intense stuff here. But this is what happened. And so he went in there and he asked for the blessing. And Isaac, of course, put his hands on him and felt him. And he goes, oh, you, yeah, you, you feel like Esau. And uh, so anyway, he released a blessing. He spoke words over Jacob. And so Jacob, which means deceiver, that's what his names mean. Jacob deceived his dad to get the blessing. Now, we're going to unpack that later when we get more into that. But what I'm highlighting in referring to that is the fact that this blessing was something that was so powerful, so powerful that it was worth trying to steal. And what was the blessing? It was words spoken in faith over his son, over his sons. And it's real important, men, what we speak over our children, because it's been ordained by God that we bless our children. We don't curse them. We don't call them, you know, stupid misfits. You know, the list goes on and numbskulls, whatever. You know. Not that you're saying that over your kids, but I'm just I'm kind of exaggerating to make a point. The point is we want to make sure that we're blessing our children, our sons, our daughters, and not just when they're young and, and little and they just need that encouragement. But I'm telling you, even more when they grow and they go through their teenage years and they go through their young adult years. And maybe if they're out of their home and they're not necessarily a, a child in your home, but you're, you're more like a mentor in their life. They still need those fatherly words to, to be words of blessing, words of life, words of faith, words of purpose, prophesying what their future is going to be. And we're anointed by God, men, to do that. We're anointed as fathers. We're anointed as husbands to bless our wives. We're anointed as as fathers to bless our children. And so that all comes from the one who blesses us. And that's what happens here in Genesis chapter 12. God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And in you, Abraham, or of course it's Abram now, Genesis 12 is still Abram, and in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. So hop on over to chapter 13. And let's just kind of continue on with Abraham. So he obeyed. He went out. We read about that in Hebrews eleven eight. He obeyed, went out, not knowing where he was going. And he by faith dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. But we don't have Isaac yet. So let's get back to chapter 13 of Genesis. And Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had. And Lot, now Lot was his nephew, it's his brother's son. Lot was with him and they went to the south and Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. 
And they went there, uh, they went out on his journey from the south to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been, as in the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So do you see that? He's building altars. And that's something. Now he's alone now, it's just him and Sarah. But this is something that his sons will see, and it's something that they will continue to do. They always, they heap up stones, they heap up rocks, and they build an altar unto the Lord. And so there he calls on the name of the Lord. And then on over in chapter 14, let's just kind of keep marching along here. Genesis now chapter 14, because uh, what happened in that last a portion of scripture was uh, Lot and Abram got into strife because uh, um, the, the the substance was so great. I mean, the substance that Lot had, the cattle, the herds, the sheep, the goats, everything that they were, their livestock was so great that the land was not big enough to support them. And so Abram took the Lot and said, listen, there doesn't need to be strife in our house. You you pick whichever direction you want to go, and I'll go the other way. He he let Lot choose. And so Lot chose, of course, the well-watered uh, regions, which eventually took him down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abram went the other way, and there God blessed him, and he increased. Now in chapter 14, verse 14, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Now, I know we're just kind of marching through chapters here, but don't miss what you just what we just read there. Genesis fourteen fourteen. Abram, when he heard that his brother had been taken captive, he armed his trained servants, the employees. I mean, he he's a massive ranch operation here, a mobile ranch operation, and he's got three hundred and eighteen trained servants, all born in his house under his care. Now, remember, what did God know about Abram? That he was going to lead by example his house, not only his sons but his servants, people who worked for him. He was going to influence not only his family, but he was going to influence his employees, those who worked for him and worked the land and worked with the livestock. And so here he grabs 318 of his trained servants and he goes to war, brings back all the spoils. And this is where we have in Genesis 14, verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God, and there he blessed him. He's blessed. It's that blessing. There's a blessing coming forth from God through the high priest, the king of Salem, Melchizedek. And verse 19, Genesis 14, 19, he blesses him, and he says, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abram, gave him, Melchizedek, tithes. He gave him 10% of everything. So here we go, men. We've come upon it. Is tithing 
something that we should be doing as followers of Christ? A lot of people will will be real quick to say, well, tithing, that's just in the Old Testament. That's just under the law. Wait a minute. The law hasn't even been given yet. Moses isn't even on the scene yet. This is just Moses. This is just Abram walking in the way of the Lord. This must have been one of the ways of the Lord. We already talked about Abel and Cain. I mean, the first murder in all of humanity was over an offering. So there was already in the human uh, family and experience worship that involved offerings. So it's not about Old Testament, New Testament. It's about the way of the Lord. It's about honoring God. And the tithe is all about honoring God's place in our life, recognizing he's the one who owns heaven and earth. And he's the one that blesses my life. And he's the one that my ability comes from. He's the one my very breath comes from. He's the one my life comes from. And I honor him and I recognize him. And here we see hundreds of years before Moses ever even comes on the seed, before there's a law, before there's a Ten Commandments, before any of that is established. Here, Abram is paying tithes. He's given a 10% back to God by giving it to the high priest. And he gives the 10% to Melchizedek and the kings of Sodom said unto Abraham, give me the persons that, uh, and excuse me, verse 21, and the kings of Sodom said unto Abram, give me the persons and take the goods to yourself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand to the Lord, the most high God. He's the possessor of heaven and earth that I will not take even a thread or a shoelace of anything that is yours. He wasn't going to take anything from the king of Sodom. You can imagine why he wasn't going to take any of that filthy, uh, evil um, money out out of from King Sodom, uh, King of Sodom. He said, I'm not going to do any of that lest you would say you made Abram rich. No, he knew who made him rich. and It was God. God made him rich. And some people just they have a hard time even thinking that that God would make somebody rich. But that's the Bible. God made Abram rich, and Abram honored God. Abram tithed 10% of all that he was blessed with till Melchizedek, and he wouldn't even take uh, polluted money from the king of Sodom. And he said, I'm not going to take it lest you would say you made Abram rich. So let's march on down to Genesis 15. Hope you're enjoying this conversation here today about Abram and Abraham. And so we're going to see here in Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I'm still childless? See, he still has no child. God has told him, look up at the sky. Can you see the stars? That's how many children you're going to have. Can you count the sand on the shore? That's how many children you're going to have. And yet, right now, he has no child, not one. He says, so how is this going to work, God? 
And sometimes we get to that place in our walk. We, we have this promise. We have this prophecy. We have vision that God's given us for our life. We have direction. We have a dream. We know God's put in our heart. And we begin to see progress in it. We begin to see some development of it. But yet we kind of hit that impasse where we say, how's this going to come to pass, God? How's this going to be fulfilled? And Abram had that same situation. He said, Behold, to me there has not been given any seed, not one born in my house is my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came and said unto him, This shall not be your heir. In other words, Eleazar, he was like his his chief of staff, we might say. He was just going to say, Well, maybe I'll just make <laughs> Eleazar my inheritance. You know, Maybe this is the son you were talking about, God. No, God said what he meant, and he meant what he said. You're going to have a son. And it's not Eleazar, your chief of staff. So verse four, the word of the Lord came. This will not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels, your own loins, he will be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad. And he said, Abram, look to the heaven. Tell me the stars. If you're able to number them, you'll be able to number your seed. And he, Abram, believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So God had to hold him in line saying, listen, I know the promise seems like it's tearing. I know the promise seems like it's gone a long time, but God wanted to bring him back and say, listen, I've still got this. And there's a whole lot more that we need to unpack in this life and journey of Abraham. I don't think we're going to try to press any further into this. I want us to take hold of what the Holy Spirit just highlighted in this, because here's where a lot of times as men, sometimes we we're leading our phone, our families, we're leading our, in our marriages, we're leading on our jobs and and wherever God gives us influence. And sometimes we hit that place and we just think, is it ever going to happen? Is the promise ever going to be fulfilled? Is the increase ever going to come? Is the healing ever going to happen? Is the dream ever going to come to pass? Like Joseph, you know, had this dream and it went from worse to worse to worse to worse. But God does not forget his promise. And every word spoken in the Bible is his promise. And every word spoken in the Bible is backed by the blood of Jesus. And so no matter where you're at today, no matter what promise seems to be just beyond reach, no matter what promise seems to be um, put on hold, put it's just like it's delayed or it seems like it's completely went off the rails and, and it's not even possible anymore. Just like God had to bring Abram back and say, no, Abram. Don't try to come up with your own solutions. And I hear that in my spirit sometimes as men, because we want results. We want results and we all have flesh and we can all get impatient. Obviously, Abram got impatient. Um, not only was he trying to create Eleazar, his chief of staff, as the promised fulfillment. Later on, you find out he still gets impatient and he gets his wife <laughs> <laughs> or rather him and his wife, they conspire and he goes into one of his wife's handmaidens and they have Ishmael and God has to again, tell him again, 
No, Abram, this is not the promised seed. It's going to be one that comes forth from your loins and from Sarah's. And God kept waiting and waiting and waiting till it got to the place where it was beyond impossible. And that's when Isaac came. So again, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I know that I'm speaking to several men's hearts here today. No matter how long the promise is delaying, no matter how much it seems to be off the rails, going the wrong direction, no matter how long it's been a dry desert season where there's just been no rain on your heart, no rain on that promise, and it just seems like, is it ever going to come to pass? Let's not do what Abram did. Because a lot of times we can learn from their example of what they did right, but we can also learn from the example of what they did wrong. And I think Abram would be pleased, Abraham would be pleased to know that we learned from his mistakes. I know myself as a father. I would love it, and I do enjoy it, when I can let my sons learn from my mistakes so that they don't have to repeat them. And so, again, Abram was trying to somehow come up with a way to fulfill God's promise in his own effort. And he offered Eleazar as a, okay, God, can you use him? And God said, no, nope. it's going to be one who comes out of your loins. And of course, you read about later, we'll get into it maybe in our next podcast. He offers Ishmael up and he says, nope, it's not going to be Ishmael, but Isaac's going to come. And so I just want to speak that into your heart today. I want to speak that over your life, men, today, that the promise is going to come to pass. God's promise to you, God's word for you, the word you hear at church, the word you hear from your pastor, the words that have been spoken over you prophetically, the words you have received from God himself as you open the Bible and you devote yourself and you seek God and you pray, the things he's spoken to your heart, they're going to come to pass. Don't try to come up with a way to fulfill it on your own. Don't offer God your ideas. Stay faithful. Stay in there. And so, Father, I just pray for every man listening today, every man listening today. And I pray, Father, for grace upon their heart to not get anxious, to not get weary. And I just pray for strength to come to them right now if they're in that weary place. I pray for grace to come to them right now to hold them in a place of patience and endurance, knowing that they shall obtain the promise. And I thank you, Father, for the word that you have spoken into their life. I thank you for the promise that you have spoken over their life. And I thank you that they're holding on to that promise today. And I stand with them and I believe with them that what you said will come to pass in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we got so much more to talk about with Abram and with becoming Abraham. And so we're going to pick it up in our next Marksman podcast. Hopefully you can join in. But again, we're learning from these men out of Hebrews chapter 11, because these are men who seeked or sought the Lord, and in their seeking, God rewarded them. And one of the greatest rewards is found right here in Hebrews 11. He remembered them, and he commended them. And I believe that that's what God's going to do about your life, and you're preparing for your legacy right now. And so I just thank you for being a part of the program today, listening to the podcast. Hopefully you'll share this podcast, recommend this podcast, and most importantly, hopefully you'll join me on our next podcast marksman 
podcast. 